Blog Talk Radio. today. Yes, indeed, today we will be continuing with some of our favorite subjects, health, healing, wellness, and the environment, as well as the interface of these, what is described in neuroscience. And we have a guest today to discuss all of these and the integral relationship of them in a way that most people really don't think about but really should. And it's really on shows like this that we spend a lot of time thinking about things like this. And that's Wallace J. Nichols, who is the author of Blue Mind, with a foreword by Celine Cousteau, the granddaughter of uh, the famous Jacques Cousteau, who is continues to give us all, uh, no matter where he may be, the greatest gifts in terms of our understanding and relationship to the oceans and to water. Blue Mind, listen to the subtitle, The Surprising Science That Shows How Being Near, In, On, or Underwater Can Make You Happier, Healthier, More Connected, and Better at What You Do. Wow. Well, I don't have to tell you that uh, we listeners here at A Better World, our audience, our friends, our colleagues, really kind of understand this idea intuitively, what it is to spend time in nature in general. And, well, Jay really, really nails it in talking about what it means to be in nature by water in particular. So that will be our exploration today in our dialogue, and we'll learn about the basis and premise of his book, and we will go from there. So, Jay, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, great, to, great to speak with you on about this topic in particular. Yes, indeed, indeed. Well, you've been in the world for a long time now, uh, doing really interesting things, and I believe that we first uh, came across you first in the film Plastics on Plastics Bagot, and yes. it was from there that I learned about your work on Blue Mind, and I I just thought that film was just fabulous, and we featured it on uh, two of our radio shows, and uh, thank you for your contribution there. Well, you bet. Yeah, that, that uh, that's an issue that it Clearly, it's it's an, a real important one and something that I've uh, as a material that I've interacted with in the ocean and in places where 
it shouldn't exactly. be. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. So let, why don't you lay out actually what your fundamental premise is in Blue Mind? Just take the floor and you know run with it, and I'll be standing by and uh, touching base as appropriate as I listen to you. Sure. Well, you know, you, you mentioned Celine Cousteau and her grandfather, and and uh, I think for a lot of us who spend time uh, working for the ocean, that it comes back to that first inspiration and and the people who taught us to love the ocean and and showed us its wonders and in our own exploration. So as a kid, I, I fell in love with the ocean. I was a member of Jacques Cousteau's uh, Cousteau Society and yeah, became a marine too. biologist. <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> I had the sticker on my bike. And you became and, a mar- uh, you became a marine biologist. I became a psychologist. <laughs> exactly. So it you know and and there's a there's a great connection between the two, in yeah. that you know we as scientists as marine biologists at least we're we're taught to check our our emotions at the door and and nobody yeah. is really supposed to talk about falling in love with the ocean being one of the main reasons we fight for it. Uh, but in fact, and that's, that's one of that's the reasons true. you became. I would say that most marine biolog- biologists became marine biologists because of their love of water and the oceans. Absolutely, I think I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Whether they are are okay admitting that in, in public or not, uh, it's it's right. probably true. And and so I've always kind of held that you know in, in the back of my head. Why, if our you know if we evolved these incredible brains. And these brains help us to feel these incredible emotions, and those emotions lead us to spend our lives working for the ocean. Why yeah. can't we, as as scientists, go there? And Jacques Cousteau would go there if he were alive now, as Celine wrote in in uh, her her foreword. I, I believe that's true, and he would explore the deep brain as as well as the deep ocean, and that's what we've intended to do. And so we've cast out uh, around the world um, looking for uh, psychologists, neuroscientists, um, geographers, even evolutionary geologists who have an understanding of hu- human interaction with water. And it's been a fascinating exploration, and, and we've been holding these annual conferences called Blue Mind Summits and inviting the best. Uh, of these two worlds, of the water world and the brain world, and bringing people together and asking uh, sets of questions that haven't really been asked before, and then wrestling uh, with attempts to answer them, or usually we end up asking even more questions uh, rather than coming to uh, concrete answers to all of our questions. But that all get, has been wrapped up in sure. uh, into this book that we call Blue Mind, and that title reflects the um, the state of mind that is you know, the opposite of what we refer, we refer to as red mind, which is that, you know, always on, um, sometimes aggressive, um, sometimes yep. highly or overstimulated, uh, that, that state that we, we find ourselves often in, in this uh, ever-busy uh, modern world of you know, electronic... the, the stressed mind. The stressed yeah, exactly. Some people uh, refer to it as monkey mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you know, but it's, it's also it's a, lower brain activity. It's reptilian activity, frankly. It's it's yeah, and, well, and which it is, is and also it's also um, a lot of processing, a lot of a lot of information processing. So a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of prefrontal cortex work, and 
when you step away from the screen, when you step away from the automobile, uh, when you step away from the noise into nature, in particular, in this conversation at least, uh, up to the water, and you stand at the edge of the water or you get onto or into the water, your brain moves into a different mode. Uh, and Year. Exactly. Researchers call the, oh, call it the default mode network. I, I call it Blue Mind uh, for short. Mm-hmm. And we know, we all know it, it to be a, a quite um, lovely place to be. And when you're in that state of mind, uh, your brain can do different things better. You're you're more self-referential. Uh, you're more creative. Uh, many people find you sometimes feel like new ideas and even poems fall out of the sky into your brain and you're not sure where they came from. Mm -hmm. Uh, You connect with the people you're with in a different way. Uh, The quality of your conversations changes. Uh, Your heart rate slows, your breathing rate slows, and your stress drops. Uh, And it's not, it's not magic. It's, it's your brain. It's your, it's your body doing what it it is, is meant to do. Uh, It, your body healing itself and relaxing. And we know that relaxation is important. We know stress can yes. make us sick and uh, that it, these, this blue mind state can even help us sleep. And sleep is incredibly important for our health. Sure. So a lot of this is, um, I would say, underlining something we intuitively know that we've all experienced on, on some level throughout our lives. It's maybe, maybe underlining and bolding it, but it reminding us that for this to work, we need access to water. We need access to healthy water. And if that access is lost, then we're diminished as people. Uh, and, and access is lost in, in several different ways from pollution. The plastic that you mentioned earlier can really bum us out. So if you step up to your favorite water and there's plastic floating in it or other kinds of trash or pollutants, that makes you sad and angry rather, rather than re- relaxed and de-stressed. It quite, does quite the opposite. Yeah. So plastic is robbing us uh, not only is it hurting animals, it's also uh, robbing us of our, our blue minds. And that's, that's part of the conversation that at least marine scientists aren't, haven't been comfortable with but need, need to be talking about more. Um, and you know, keeping, keeping that access open so that people can fall more in love with our waterways and understand that the cognitive, emotional, social benefits of of those waters are really what make makes our, our lives worth living. And um, well, so that's kind of the... One of the things I see here, one of the things I'm gathering here, Jay, that you are bringing to the table is the, the humanizing of the scientific spirit. And uh, we all know that people go into science because they want to understand and they have a, a passion for knowledge and understanding usually something about the nature of the universe. And uh, Mm -hmm. that part of it is beautiful, and they're allowed that one emotion. But when it comes to anything thereafter, uh, as you said, the lid is put on top of emotions and Mm -hmm. feelings, and the rest Mm -hmm. has to be a highly mentalized uh, way of of 
you know, you could say faux objectivity. And uh, <laughs> yeah. objectivity yeah. is always based on subjectivity anyway because of the very nature of life itself. We don't have to go mm-hmm. into all of that. But uh, I think that one of the things that I'm gathering from your book and uh, speaking with you is that um, you're, in a sense, acknowledging the reality of the situation, which is that scientists, uh, marine biologists, uh, largely, are deeply feeling people interesting water of all the elements is known as the element of emotion. And it's described in that way, you know, archetypally, mythologically, in many different contexts, and psychologically, in dream work, et cetera. That's exactly. The, yeah. You know, the element it's of emotion. tradition. It's, exactly. So it's kind of funny that it would be suppressed in our current marine biologists. But um, I think you're helping to humanize the field by the role that you're playing. And ultimately, I think that's a very healthy one. And especially in these days of climate change, I think climatologists are beginning to do play a role like that, too. It's like there's no more time and no more place for the denial that is staring at us in the face. That's right. That and, you rhymed, know, you, by the way. We hear, you notice that rhymed? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Well, we, very yeah. well done. We, we hear... Yeah, thank uh, you. The conversations about the future of the ocean and the ocean crisis um, follow a script that says we're losing the fish to eat, we're losing the capacity of of the ocean to um, make the oxygen, we're losing the jobs, it's bad for our economy. And then it kind of stops there. And what I'm trying to add is that the dot, 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 and all of the other emotional, cognitive, and social benefits that come with healthy water. What about that? Yes. What about that yes. part? What about the, exactly. the important ceremonies people around the world hold at the water's edge at the beginning, middle, and end of their lives? What about the inspiration? What about the, the play at the beach, at the river, at the lake? What about your nostalgia? All of that is, is part of what we're protecting in addition to the fish, the turtles, the marine life, the jobs, the economy, the oxygen. And what I find is that... Exactly. No, you're, you're very right. You're making a distinction between, you could say, the, the quantitative and the qualitative aspects of water. On one hand, yes, it's our, our uh, mode of transportation of bringing products and commodities from one port and country to another. Yes, that's true. Yes, that means jobs. Yes, it means money and economy. But what you're, you know, you're saying is that there's an entire there has been a religious and a spiritual and an emotional relationship, uh, essentially a sacred mm-hmm. relationship to water and ceremony and ritual that has been part of humanity as long as humanity has been on the on the earth. And yeah. what about that? What about yeah. the the life affirming aspect of where water fits into our our psyche? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if we, Does when that we capture leave what that, you're saying? When we, yes, exactly, and when we leave that out of the conversation, we undervalue water. And so when exactly. when we're talking about policy and legislation and laws and when we're in in the room with decision makers, and we leave yeah. all of that 
other stuff that's so important. Right. At bay, no that. pun intended, at bay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Right. And by yeah. the way, the, the, the uh, metaphors and puns are unavoidable um, throughout they this are. conversation. So it's they are, yeah. Water, so water I have a feeling itself. that we're both guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. you, can't, you just can't help it. It happens. You could say um, it's all a function of water on the brain. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's just, you know, I that's make what, no more excuses about it. I, you, know, you need, you need, need but, not make excuses. It, right, do part. not. But I'll tell you, I do want to go back and fish out something that you were bringing up before about <laughs> you referenced the. Uh, um, I knew we were going to have fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned something about the prefrontal cortex, but in all due fairness, I do want to say that uh, the cerebral cortex in general is largely responsible for the um, mentation we call thinking, um, yeah. left hemisphere in particular. And what we have found, interestingly, is that the farther reach of the cerebral and neocortex which is the prefrontal lobes, uh, seems to actually be the place of the higher brain, the place where um, meditators um, are accessing and getting in touch with a level of understanding, of unity, of oneness consciousness, of brotherhood and sisterhood, of deeper love and compassion. And it kind of loops down from the forebrain, if you will, this is what, you know, I'm, I'm learning, uh, down into the, the neuroreceptor sites of the heart. So it becomes sort of an integrated whole-mindedness, if you will. Does yeah. that make sense to you? Absolutely. So the, the I think you, the, um, when you step up to water, what I like to say is water meditates you. So if you, if you yes. would, you may consider yourself a, a non, non meditator, somewhat unspiritual person, and you yes. step up to the ocean, and it meditates you. You don't need to have practiced uh, anything. You just have yeah. to step up, and it puts yeah. you into that mildly meditative state, or. Let's see, we can use different words, a contemplative or relaxed state that sure. approximates uh, a meditative state. And what you just well, mentioned, it, does, it, it um, you have, you know, people describe a sense of awe and wonder uh, when they stand at the edge of a large body of water and say, watch a sunset or watch yes. birds feeding or a, a whale breaching or and any of uh, many different things that happen there. And when you feel that sense of awe and wonder, it sets you up for more empathy, more compassion, more connection yes. to those around you. It takes you from the, the me mode to the we mode. And there's some wonderful, wonderful research coming out of UC Berkeley that uh, depicts that and describes it. And so we need that. We need awe and wonder. We need empathy and compassion. And we need the sources of that awe and wonder. And if healthy water and healthy forests are the source of awe and wonder, that's just one more great reason to take care of them, to protect them and restore them. And that's a good thing. And that's, that's how right. I think where this conversation really hopefully is headed. Yes, yes. No, no, you're, you're right on it. You're right on it. If you want to kind of tabulate this notion that, uh, our medical field itself, conservative as it is, uh, if not sometimes a bit regressive, recognizes that stress 
is the leading call of all doctors' visits. Some 80% of all doctors' visits, Jay, are predicated on the experience of stress, which leads then to actual physical degeneration, deterioration, and illness. So if one of the reasons this is happening is people are too far away from nature. They're too far from the woods. They're too far from the water. And uh, this, uh, these are naturally healing spaces that, you know, the universe has provided. And if we muck that up in whatever ways we do, for whatever reasons we do, uh, we are depriving ourselves from a source of our own stresslessness, which is our own sense of inner peace and well-being, and our own healing. So That's right. And, yeah. And we're, yeah. it's kind of like somebody saying, here's, here's some medicine. It, it works. Uh, it's, it's yours. And you just threw it away. I mean, essentially. And, and Can so you imagine? You, exactly. I mean, why, why you would imagine? you do that? If it, you've got something that's known to work, it's in your backyard, it's accessible, it's free, and, you, exactly. you know, we're, we're locking it up or we're, we're despoiling it. And, and I think, you know, to that, to that point, the, uh, you know, the many cases, uh, many individuals, people that, I, that I've worked with and interviewed through the process of, of researching this book, um, people with, I'd say, the most, the highest levels of stress and people yes. dealing with some of the, the trickiest uh, situations and circumstances in terms of their health find, so people with autism, uh, people with post-traumatic stress, people suffering from uh, different kinds of depression, many of them find the best available relief to be related to being in or, or near water. And yes. uh, folks who have come yes. back from, from war who have, have had their brains rattled and their, in some cases their limbs blown off uh, yes. find a kind of peace and a kind of relaxation. Uh, learning to surf and uh, getting out into, the, into some waves and ex- experiencing the ocean, um, feeling, feeling strong in, uh, in some ways and feeling whole again. Uh, feeling more equal than they have in a long time, and then sleeping for the first time in a long time mm-hmm. that night. Uh, and so we see that occurring we, over and over and over again, and, and more and, and more uh, organizations and clubs are popping up uh, to make those kinds of therapies available. Uh, the research is following behind a bit, but it's... Um, it's clear when you when you're out there uh, with the folks who are doing that that it's a uh, it's helpful. Uh, it's not a silver bullet. It's not magic. It doesn't fix everything, but what it can allow is for people to take fewer pills to reduce uh, the complexity and and the dosages of what they're on now, which often have huge huge side effects and synergistic effects that are are bad for our bodies. And so if that's true and that's working, uh, people can move away from some of the more toxic treatments and and get in the water. Um, That's a good thing. Absolutely. Yes. 
you know, you're reminding me of uh, some experiences I've had in swimming pools, uh, exercising. And uh, there's, I've been uh, working uh, off and on for, with a, uh, a health activist and nutritionist and radio celebrity in New York City named Gary Null, who's also known somewhat on the uh, West Coast, but main, largely in the tri-state area here in New York, Jay. And uh, he's, uh, he's actually an awesome individual and has been a, a friend and teacher and mentor of mine for a long time. Well, I've been uh, helping him from time to time run retreats and when I've done so, I've had the opportunity to go into the water with one of his good friends, John Q, who's a, a guy who teaches um, aqua exercise. And we take these very lightweight, very inexpensive, um, I, I don't even know what to call them. They're not weights, but they look like weights, but they're made out of foam. And all you do is hold them under the water and move back and forth, and it it takes on the weight of the the pressure of pushing these down into the water takes a lot of muscle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it ends up, it's probably the most fun way to exercise, uh, you know, on the planet. And it's got to do with the use, the intelligent use of water. And the other aspect of it, of course, is that you've changed your relationship to gravity when you're in the water. And this is a kind of a, a, physiological benefit. I, I, in fact, I'm, you're reminding me now and having this uh, beautiful conversation with you that uh, for a number of years I had a, a healing and rejuvenation stress management center in New York City called the Center for Creative Well-Being. And its featured item was the flotation tank. <laughs> yep, I've, right. I've experienced that myself. You get it, right? <laughs> right. So here we are, folks, in 750 pounds of Epsom salt in water, so you have your own private dead sea, and when you lie down in it, and it's completely quiet, and the water is the same temperature as your skin, uh, you lose the sense of boundary between yourself and the water, and because there's no stimulation of any sort, your attention goes from external to internal, and as you well said before, the water meditates you. You don't do anything. You are brought into uh, the body and sea of meditation through the presence of the water, and and you've shifted your relationship to gravity so your cerebellum doesn't have to do the same amount of work to maintain balance in the water. Which means exactly. you've got so, even more, right? You've got even more yeah. energy available for your own mentation, contemplation, um, meditation. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're. Anyway, you know, I just you're wanted giving, to bring that to bear here. That's a great, a great thing to bring into this conversation. So that, that's the, that's, yeah. the, I would say that's the extreme of blue mind. So you're, you're shutting yes, down exactly. the, the visual. You're su- shutting down the auditory by. You know, removing right. the light, removing the sound, you're, you know, you're you're equalizing the temperature between your body, the water, and the air. Yeah. You're removing gravity. So all all of these very active, hardworking parts of your brain that really have been on for your whole life That's are right. now like given a given a rest. Exactly. So, and you know, when was the last time we experienced all of that? How it about would be the in womb. utero? <laughs> 
<laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Forty-seven years ago, in my around case. the amniotic fluid, right? Yeah, and and that you know, and that's it's a lot of people who hear you know hear about flotation tanks think, wow, that sounds so that sounds so far out. It sounds kind of kind of hippy dippy, yeah. and you know, and yeah. and I just say, here it's 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 just you. It's just you. That's it. That's it's just right. you. At, when was the last time you were just you? And people just stop and say, wow. And, it, and maybe you can't handle just you, but I yeah. think you can, and I think you'll enjoy it. So why don't you give it That's a try? Right. And when you put it That's in those right. terms, and you take the, you know, the layers of, of perception about what it is and it isn't away and just yeah. say, look, it's just you, you get to be by yourself for the first time in a very long time, truly, truly, quietly yeah. with yourself. I highly recommend it. And yeah. people say, well, I'm, I'm going to try it. And, and they do. And then they come back and say, yeah. well, that was deeply relaxing, and I think I'll do it again. Yeah, That's right. It's really true. It's really true. I, I experienced it as the uh, director of the center for years, and I watched, I loved watching people's face when they came out, they were so deep. They were yeah. in another space. Their yeah. entire persona shifted to a level of authenticity that mm -hmm. they did not bound in there with, you know. Mm -hmm. We are speaking with Wallace J. Nichols, the author of a really wonderful book called Blue Mind, The Surprising Science that shows how being near, in, on, or underwater can make you happier, healthier, more connected and better at what you do. Jay Nichols is a marine biologist. He has been uh, on the path, you could say, uh, swimming upstream to some extent uh, with bringing forward the role of water in our lives, uh, both the scientific uh, chemistry aspects as well as what it means that we pollute water and bringing not just the objective but also the subjective nature of water forward for scientists and the lay person alike for us all to have let's say greater respect for and even reverence for you're listening to mitchell j raven on a better world if you do not yet get our newsletter make sure to go to a betterworld.tv and sign up for it and uh, that way you can know of our couple of shows our few shows every week both on radio and television here in New York City, and it's a pleasure to have you, Jay, with me today on A Better World. I'm really enjoying our chat. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'd love to hear a bit more on what you have uncovered when in dialogue with uh, neuroscientists about the effect of water, like you referenced the UC Berkeley studies that are going on. What else have you uncovered that has been particularly striking to you to learn about the effect of water on the brain. One of my, my favorite conversations has been with people who study uh, the brain and, and music. Uh, and, I've, and I've been attending yeah. a series of conferences at Stanford on, on that subject and have invited people yeah. who study sound and the brain, in particular music and the brain, to attend our Blue Mind conferences. And surprisingly, first of all, there, there have been very few studies of your brain on the sound of water. Uh, but you can begin to connect the dots when you 
when you look at the literature around brain on music. So uh, when we are, um, when we feel what those researchers refer to as the groove, so there's a, there's a guy at UC Davis who studies uh, the science, the neuroscience of groove, and when a group of musicians are playing together and they get mm-hmm. in the groove, you know it as uh, a listener. Yeah. Uh, you know Isn't it if you're that, one of the musicians. You know the same notion as in the flow? Exactly. So that, that yep. flow state, or in, in musical terms, yeah. that groove yeah. state. Uh, when, you're, when you're in it as a musician or you're in the audience, say, dancing or listening, you, yes. it's, a, it's a special thing. It's a transformative oh, yeah. experience. It's also, uh, as athletes, you know, we also know something known as the zone. That's another right, exactly, and that yeah. that feeling of of really being being completely in your body and being completely integrated and in harmony and synchrony with those around you, whether they're team members or band members, as the case may be, is relevant to this conversation. And and what I mean by that is when you know when, when I take my family to the beach and we listen to the sound of the surf together we get into a, a, a kind of rhythm that is yes. dictated by the rhythm of the ocean. And when we get into the ocean, we get into a kind of rhythm relative to the breaking waves and you know, waiting for them, uh, surfing them, going back out. And when you're doing that together, you're, be, you're beginning to, to get into the groove, as they say, or a flow, but, but together. And there's something very powerful and very, very connecting about doing that together. And it's, it's a, kind of, a kind of synchrony. Uh, it's a, you get in, into a good kind of, kind of rut, and it, it brings you closer together with those yes, that you're with. Exactly. And yes. that's, a, again, back to the, you know, our bodies are producing oxytocin. It's building trust. We're connecting with each other. We're in synchrony, or we're in we're in that in that groove, and it it, bring, it brings us together. So you know, there's a reason why people choose uh, to have their their biggest, best ceremonies, the most important moments together by water, uh, whether yeah. it's a wedding, a funeral, a proposal, a honeymoon. Uh, people dream of doing that next to the water, and that's not yeah. just because advertisers have convinced us that we should do it that way. It's because we we know that, that that brain state that occurs at the water, that blue mind state, is appropriate for those important moments that then become more memorable uh, and they become our, our nostalgia. They become our stories. They're the, the places and the moments and the groups of people that we, we want to remember uh, for the rest of our lives. And so, you know, bringing bringing together the people who study brain on music um, to consider brain on ocean, brain, brain on water, sounds, is, has been really one of the, the best parts of this conversation, I think, uh, along the yes. way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I understand. I understand. It's funny because we ourselves, as we were kind of implying before, Jay, uh, we ourselves can, are uh, composed of 75 to 80% water. And, you know, it's just yeah. kind of funny 
the rest yeah, of the Yeah, well, there's a, you know, there's a, an evolutionary imperative or, you know, biological imperative that we need, we humans and, by the way, every, every other animal needs to know where the water is no, you know, or know how to get to it in order yes. to, to survive. So we won't live very long, just a matter of days, if we don't have access to water. So our ability to, to hear it and, and to see it and to respond and position ourselves correctly relative to it is a matter of life and death, it, it, it tru- you know, truly. And yeah, truly. That, that's a make or break. If you can't do that well, then you're you're done, and if you if you get yourself in the wrong position too close, the water may carry you away. So getting that sweet spot right is incredibly yes. important, no matter what kind of animal you are. And yes. we we carry that ability, and that sensibility, and that emotional response to the right place. We carry that in us, even though. We only need to turn a knob to have water in, in, in many parts of the world. Even though you, you have a bottle of water in the refrigerator and you don't need to go out and, and, and search for it and listen for it uh, in our modern society, we still carry that, that ability to do so. And so a, a, um, a lion or a fox or an elephant uh, is going to be able to find the water and it's going to position itself and its family in a, in a place where that water remains appropriately accessible. And right. they will feel when they're in the right place. That's right. They will perceive and it. And we as humans uh, have developed the intuitive art of dowsing. And while dowsing has come to be used for a number of different things, its original purpose was to be able to identify water, water sources, water veins, usually under the ground, sometimes in, um, in rock that people would not even know that water existed inside of. It's fascinating. And um, I think that that's just a, uh, an expression of how deep water is inside of us. Mm-hmm. And both intuitively, metaphysically, and biologically. It's well, you just, know, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to dive yeah. into uh, dowsing as a topic in the, in the sequel to Blue Mind. I, I don't know that much about yes. it, but I'm, I think that's a great uh, yeah. suggestion to, yeah. Um, yeah. Something to, to, to go deeper into in the sequel to this book. Is all the ways that we humans and uh, other animals... Um, orient ourselves, perceive, and are able to find uh, water as a, a, just an important part of just staying alive. Exactly, uh, and if you look at the Australian Aborigines who lived essentially on desert land and deserted land, uh, they still had their intuitive ways using sticks, using, as you were saying, listening, <laughs> and any number of different kinesthetic senses to perceive where there was water. And, of course, their lives depended on it. And it wasn't one person. It was an entire tribe. It was families and tribes. So 
it is an extraordinary aspect of us that can do that. I'm also reminded of a gentleman I interviewed uh, a number of years ago who also um, became internationally known for his work on uh, emotions and water, and that's Dr. Emoto, who Mm -hmm. was really an acupuncturist in Japan who just started fiddling around with water, talking about music and water, and... um, uh, and the brain, and he found, as you you know well know, and I'm sure uh, most of our listening audience is familiar with uh, what he found was the effect of um, music and sound and thought on water, and since we ourselves are water, then we could see that those uh, kinds of uh, different kinds of music were having that effect on us and that water also holds memory. So there have been some awesome discoveries over the last few years by creative scientists who have learned something more about the relationship between memory, mind, water, music, and emotions. Yeah, isn't surprising that all of those topics are are connected that are you know are, are like you mentioned we are mostly water beings we we yeah. need our our water to survive uh, our you know your brain right now is in fact sitting underwater in the dark um in yes. in saline water and uh doing everything we know it it to do but it's it's carrying it all out underwater uh we kind of forget that but everything you know everything you you think you see right now is is occurring in in this uh fantastically complex organ uh, underwater and uh so are you saying that the brain itself sits in a solution a saline solution yeah it does your brain is is essentially in in it you know i wouldn't call it seawater because it's it's uh, it's not, in fact, seawater. It's it's your your right. own body's own fluid, but it's similar uh, in in salinity, and, uh, and it's, it's like a dark pH. ocean in pH. Right. And right. and uh, so there it is. Your brain is underwater so in the dark, and so when you are underwater in the dark, you know, floating in one of these tanks, <laughs> or just relaxing in in the sea, or in your own bathroom uh, in the tub. Uh, it is it's deeply relaxing and and your, your an quality of thought. image that you're drawing here, Jay. This is an <laughs> yeah. amazing image of you know that it's one thing for us to be underwater in a body of water, but we are the body of water you're saying, and we as a sense of ourselves are under water, you know inside yeah. the <laughs> our own yeah. skull. Yeah, right? and our skin we're you know our skin is sort of keeping it all uh together. As, in case, as you might say, exactly. and uh, hold, holding the the water inside, and um, it's a uh, you know it. The thing is, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful poetry, and Dr. Emoto's work is makes for beautiful poetry. And yes. when you start to also look at the neuroscience, and look at the, the facts of what are going on with our our brains, and uh, discuss it from that point of view, it's. It's beautiful science too, and we've we've yeah. known about the poetry for a long time. 
poets and writers and singers, uh, you know, artists of all kinds, have expressed that deep emotional connection with water in so many beautiful ways. And back to what I said at the beginning, what we're now seeing is that science underlines and bolds many of of the things we've thought were true and in some cases adjusts or refines or may even contradict some of the things we thought were true but gets us you know closer to uh, what's going on but in you know in many of the cases it just seems to kind of underline and, and bold um things that we've we've known through other other paths whether it's art or just deep listening uh and that's it's fun it's just a fun uh field to be uh immersed in and uh, yes. to be uh, exchanging ideas with, with people uh, from the arts and the sciences uh and and from sure. you know the medical community and uh, therapists and counselors and big wave surfers and um, yeah. veterans and on right. and on. It's such a large and broad swath of people that you get to come into contact with because everything essentially is, uh, you know, aqua-related at the end of the day. I, <laughs> as you were talking about being underwater, so to speak, I was thinking that the eyes, most people don't think about the eyes as being a visible, funny, um, extension of the brain. It's the only part of the brain <laughs> that we can see that's mm-hmm. not undercover. And the eyes themselves are, are of course, in an equaceous fluid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? That wouldn't so, work you know, otherwise. In other words, wherever you look, uh, no pun intended, you know, you're <laughs> surrounded by water. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when you you're know, not, the, even, yeah. even to that to that point, when you're when your eyes are are a bit dry, you've got saline drops that you that's right. place on them. Well, why would that be the case? Well, that's that's what they want. That's what they need to function well. Exactly. Uh, is salt exactly. salt water, um, and this you know it's all. Up, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, so it's all a reflection, a reminder of, of our of our origins and our, our of our aquaceous state. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of another uh, kind of inquiry I made many years ago. Uh, that was with a gentleman named Dan Winter, who, uh, in holding a seminar that I was attending, uh, and I did interview him afterwards. One of the salient points he made was that where desertification occurred, there was a lack of love on the land. Mm -hmm. And where there was love in the midst of the people, there was greater bodies of water. Mm -hmm. Now, this might be contestable, this I think <laughs> it took some poetic license for, sure. but it was really an interesting idea, and for which he had some evidence, mm-hmm. and he had an explanation for it that was far beyond my reach. Yeah, but, yeah uh, I think you, when we have get, you we heard of get, this at all? I, you know, I haven't, and I, you know, I, and it kind of, you know, I think there's some parallels between this, that idea, and Dr. Moto's work, and. And it, it yes. is, in fact, beautiful poetry. And I find, I find the ideas 
lovely and incredibly um, thought-provoking. And if you start to really dig in and look look at the data, you might have some more questions than answers. And but but the thing is, the idea, the fundamental idea, is if we love ourselves and we love the land and the water, life is better. Well, who can argue with that? Really, and if we don't, if we don't love and value our waterways fully, Mm -hmm. they're in trouble. And who can argue with that? We see that all over the world. We see that in the Gulf of Mexico. We see it in the North Pacific Ocean. We see it in our creeks and our lakes, and you know everywhere. So when we value, truly value our water for what it does for us when we really do when we really understand the you know the food that it brings the nourishment the hydration and the cognitive emotional and social benefits exactly. then we take exactly. care of our water and that that's mm. absolutely true so you know yeah. all of anything that poetically supports that notion is 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 good for me, and um, yeah. you know, when it comes to the science, the economics, you know, the biology, the physiology, well, let's get we can get down in the weeds, and some of that research is fantastic and holds up to scrutiny, and some of it doesn't. But um, that's, right. that's that's part of the scientific method and, and the process, and, and uh, that's a um, important as well. So, yeah, it really is well. That's a, a beautiful note to complete our dialogue about Blue Mind on, and I really appreciate, Jay, what you've been up to and what you're doing and continuing to promulgate the ideas uh, around water, the importance of our own health and well-being connected to water, and the importance of preserving its, uh, it in its highest quality so that we can aesthetically and spiritually continue to uh, play with it and revere it as we really should. So I just thank you for what you Well, thank you. I really enjoyed the the conversation. And I I just leave folks with uh, this suggestion that they just find some water and get in it. And when they do, bring someone someone with you who needs it. Uh, Yeah, right. Someone you uh, love. Dunk them in the water. (laughs) Someone dry. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thanks again, Jay. You bet. Thank you. We'll talk another time. Yes. That's Wallace J. Nichols, the author of Blue Mind. I love this subtitle. The surprising science that shows how being near, in, on, or underwater can make you happier, healthier, more connected, and better at what you do. That's <laughs> great. That's great. And how true it is, how true it is. I mean, the things that we take for granted and the assumptions we make about our lives and about life itself, and, oh, it's just the water. Like, I live, for instance, near the East River here, and I know that for myself, in the mornings, I go running, do some qigong and tai chi by the water near the uh, sunrise over the river and 
it changes the quality of my life here in New York. It really does. Uh, there's a, um, a water fountain in the center of this park that I effectively live in, and I ride my bike all around. And I know that even though it's farther, uh, farther distance for me to go near the oval where the water fountain is, almost every single time I enter this park, I will go that way just to see the water what I call a waterscape, because it's open and my eye gets to travel, my eyes, and I see in the afar the water just flowing forward and spuming, and it's just, it's really lovely. It really is, and I'm aware of its healing and spiritual and therapeutic value, and uh, yet Looking at uh, Jay's book, Blue Mind, I it kind of really brought it even further home to me what the importance is on a deep, deep level. And I think that's the way we need to reflect on it. Because just to say we shouldn't pollute the water, well, you and I may know that, but there are a whole lot of people who don't, apparently, evidently. And... Uh, but to renew and refresh people's relationship to water on a deeper level, a heart level, a soul level, then that, out of that connection, they could say, hey, you know what? I don't want to be part of anything that's polluting or contaminating. It's not worth it. You know, it's sort of like in our relationship to things like food. You know, I don't want to eat things that are not good for me because why? Well, kind of love my life and I really want to keep it more sacred and uh, healthier and buoyant you know in other words it's not a should that's mental but it's a deeper um, what's the word uh, it's a deeper wa wallowing <laughs> everything has a watery element to it quality to it but it's a a birthing if you will of something deeper inside ourselves uh, coming forward inside ourselves. There's another word that I'm not totally getting, but it is a water word. That would be an interesting book, water words. You know, I think we'd be very surprised to see how many of our words are water-related or, in general, element-related. Fiery, earthy, airy. Do you know, we understand the universe and nature through the elements. Uh, something metallic, you know, it's very interesting. The Chinese have the uh, metal as one of their elements, five elements in our case. So, wow, this is the kind of inquiry we like to do here at A Better World. We're very grateful for our guests who are doing such good work, like Jay Nichols and um, so many others that we have invited on to talk about these kinds of things. I want to remind you all that uh, we so appreciate your donations. Uh, it's um, always so welcome because it keeps us, uh, here we go, afloat. <laughs> it keeps us really treading water and uh, able to bring you the programming and the content that we do every single week. 
So, uh, again, at abetterworld.tv, there's a donate button, and thank you, thank you for those of you who have stepped up the plate. We're not counting how much. We are just honored that whoever you are, you are making some donation that keeps us going and able to do what we do. Yes, we have a Better World Promotions, and for those uh, clients we have, that helps us bring people on that are um, non-paying, that just from our own hearts and passion we want to have on, such as today with Jay Nichols and the work he's doing as a writer and thinker and philosopher on the subject of water and how it permeates us in all dimensions, in all domains. So please visit us at the website and uh, read about our Harmonic Energetic Balancing Program. Read about the various things we have available. We had water folders on until very recently, no longer. Uh, It was kind of more of a corporate type of change that took place. So, But that's the kind of thing that we would have had on our website, folks. Water, high quality, water filtration. You bet. I've been part of the water world for a long time. In fact, I am on the uh, advisory board of World Water Rescue Foundation that helped to, uh, that actually was responsible for having the UN declare last decade as the decade of water. It's so important, dear friends, and our efforts to keep it clean, to keep plastics out of the water, to keep ourselves in the water, as Jay was so graciously describing as being so important to our health and psychological well-being. I definitely, definitely agree and recommend it. So I'll be out of town for a little bit, studying higher brain living to open up the deeper recesses of our brain so I can continue to do that work with uh, clients here in New York City uh, as a therapist and a personal development coach and facilitator. So uh, we will be playing a repeat of a show or two um, also for the weekly radio and TV shows the other radio show on Progressive Radio Network. So just tune in, get the newsletter, spread the word, visit us on Facebook at A Better World Media, and what do they say? Like us. Oh, what has this world come to? Like us. And uh, I hope you actually love us, but at least when it comes to Facebook lingo, like us. And uh, also Mitchell J. Rabin on Facebook as well. So thanks again for joining us, and I so appreciate your attention. And I spread the word, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.
that I neglected at the top of the show to dedicate this show, which I am going to do right now, to one of the dearest people on the planet, Robin Williams, who was so much a favorite of mine, of so many, whose life dedicated to comedy, health, funniness, poking fun at convention and making films that just rattled people to their bones with laughter and good cheer. Oh, what a loss. I can hardly believe that a man of that amazing character would not be with us and would have ended his life. It's deeply, deeply sad to me. And uh, I just I just wish him the total best wherever he is, wherever he felt he had to go. It is a profound loss for us left behind here on planet Earth. The man was amazing and a tremendous gift to our humanity and to our society. So Robin Williams, wherever you may be, please know that Mitchell Rabin and A Better World here love you and are deeply grateful for all that you've contributed in your myriad of ways to our planet and to our funny bones. So with that, I wish you all the best. Thanks again for joining, and I look forward to speaking to you all and seeing you all next week.